Hello and welcome to Is Mayonnaise a Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Omar Lopez, and I'm here with a peasant who only eats salted shells. Josh Emo. Let's get on this week. Yeah. Topical. Y- you don't mind being a peasant? Peasant's okay, I think. Why, why did you say it was topical? <laughs> it's part of the episode this week. Oh, Very spoiler solid. alert. You could have let me know that before no. we started. <laughs> Spoiler, I'll, I'll cut in a spoiler alert in the beginning. Yeah, good, good, good. I, like I always do. I always go back and fix our mistakes. Mostly yours. Anyways, <laughs> thanks to everyone out there for giving us a listen. Um, if you guys don't know, this is our podcast where we watch classic SpongeBob episodes, find some nice life lessons that everyone can take home. So last week we had Destiny on and I loved it. And now I just, I kind of miss her. It's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. But the cool thing is, and no one at home will know, but now they will when I tell them, is you're actually sitting physically in front of me for the first time in a long bum, time. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, since first episode one or two, I guess. Well, episode one and two. And two, yeah. Wow, throwback. Can you Forever believe ago. that was like 19 weeks ago? <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> All those haters are like, they're going to stop. And they're like, nah, here we are representing. Oh, well. <laughs> well, since it's time to represent, let's backflip right into this episode where we do Season 1, Episode 19, Fools in April and Neptune's Spatula. Fools in April. SpongeBob wakes up in his pineapple and tells Gary that they're moving and they're becoming peasants, causing Gary to cry. He takes away Gary's food. Gary's crying, he's crying. He's like, just kidding. April Fools, give him back his food, and everything's good. So the rest of the day basically is SpongeBob celebrating April Fool's Day. And on the way to work, Squidward realizes that it is April 1st and immediately calls into the Krusty Krab because he wants to ask for the day off because it's SpongeBob's favorite holiday and Squidward wants no part of it. But Mr. Krabs, uh, unknowingly to Squidward, also has a prank in store for him and says there's someone from the Barnacle Bay Art Museum here to talk to Squidward to feature him. And sure enough, Squidward rushes over all fancy and ready and psych, April Fool's, it was SpongeBob and Mr. Krabs. Obviously, Squidward's like, you know, this is it. I quit. This is what I want to do. And SpongeBob begs him, uh, just stay, stay. I won't prank you for the rest of the day. And so the rest of the day, SpongeBob is playing simple April Fool's pranks on the people coming into the Krusty Krab and just having tons of fun. But of course, in typical fashion, Squidward just gets so fed up with SpongeBob's merriment that he decides to pull a very elaborate April Fool's prank on SpongeBob which is basically abusing SpongeBob and tar and feathering him uh, in that kind of situation. And it causes SpongeBob to cry and run home and everyone in the Krusty Krabs lets Squidward know that he's gone a little bit too far. And since Squidward realizes that he went way too far with his prank, he decides to apologize to SpongeBob. And after many attempts to apologize, Squidward finally settles on a sneaky snaky way to apologize where he apologizes in a bubble pops the bubble and spongebob never actually hears the apology eventually his conscience is just too much for him and it eats at him and he goes back and he's like you know what spongebob i do actually like you like confesses to liking almost everyone in bikini bottom and then spongebob's like is this really true and squidward's like yes we have to promise not to tell anyone and spongebob says i promise but guess again April Fools and everyone's at Spongebob's house and they all heard him and Squidward freaks out and he goes just kidding I was doing an April Fools prank on all of you and he runs home the end (laughs) the end of that half Um, so my question for you Josh is do you think the entire thing that Spongebob from the beginning he woke up to the end do you think that was all an elaborate April Fools day prank that he was pulling on Squidward I think that maybe he developed that uh April Fool's prank the one that like everyone shows up at the end after he had gotten his feelings hurt he's like I can turn this negative situation into something more positive and make it a joke on Squidward and see what happens um because I think the genuine reaction of everyone in the Krusty Krab was like pretty on par like for what happened to him I mean he got his freaking slammed into the roof of the Krusty Krab 
slammed to the window. He like someone's butt was indented because of SpongeBob. Like it was pretty harsh. Yeah, just ripped that those cheeks right off. Yeah, and like I think it would take some foresight on SpongeBob's part to know that Squidward would do something like that. Again, playing into the whole SpongeBob being a god theory, I just think that he plotted it all. I think he mm-hmm. he knew that he was gonna push Squidward's buttons because this has happened in the past, and I think that's what he did. He plotted it out. He made sure that Squidward would get upset and set Squidward up to fail. Yeah. Because he, he likes knowing that Squidward likes him. I could definitely see that. I mean, it was kind of questionable why no one tried to stop SpongeBob from being so annoying in the Krusty Krab. Like, he was laughing obnoxiously in the freaking loudspeakers, and clearly the guests were, like, uncomfortable. And then there was no Mr. Krabs to be seen. And we know he was there. He pulled the prank on Squidward earlier in the day. So, mm-hmm. um, Speaking of pranks with Mr. Krabs, have you ever successfully had a whoopee cushion work on uh, anyone? I think like once when I was like much younger, like elementary school, and like put it in a couch cushion, like underneath the couch cushion, but not like switch it out on their seat real quick. I don't think that actually works. I'm going to test it out this April. So April watch 1st. out. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> watch out, everyone. Um, you might be the victim. <laughs> you'll never know when you're the victim of a prank. Just kidding. You should know. I, I feel like. I feel like pranking goes a little bit too far, and I think that's a good um, lesson for the whole episode is, like, especially nowadays with YouTube, I feel like just people are always pranking each other. Yeah. And always doing it for views. hmm And it's kind of, it's funny sometimes, but most of the time I feel like it makes people, especially our age, just look like holes. Yeah. Yeah, and I could see that. Um I mean, but pranking's been around for a while. Like people did pulled pranks all the time, right? And I think it's just more because it's more widely seen. Like we can see it as more humor, but you're definitely right. There's people out there like, oh, look at these millennials. Don't know what the f- they're doing. They're being assholes to each other. Like they have no respect for others and whatever. But it's not that. I mean, there were TV shows. The Jackass was out way before we were like, like while we were growing up. So you can't count that as a millennial thing. And that all that is is pranks and stupid stunts. And- I just always use view jackass as like the not pranks on other people, but mm-hmm. pranks on e- other people in that group, yeah. like all the jackass crew. So I think it's kind of more common now to see people prank other people. I like there's the classic like the drive-through pranks where like people like will grab like the drink and pour it on themselves, mm-hmm. or someone else will run through and do all grab that it. stuff like that. Yeah, and I guess I don't know. I do think that. Maybe it's not exactly a generational thing. I think we just developed it differently. But I do think that there's like, I mean, America grew up watching like America's Funniest Home Videos and stuff and like people prank each other on that and like Mm -hmm. those are hilarious and whatever. And that's like, I think what started like we can start this humor and make views and make it watchable and make this a source of entertainment for people. And that's part of YouTube. So you think millennials just did a really good job of just adding swagger to it? Just adapted, yeah. That's how we always do it. We always improve in things and sometimes pushing them a little too far. Yeah, and you're right, though. That's like a lesson to learn here is like establishing what that line is before you go too far, you know, and you can take that with pranks. You can take that with anything, though. Um, And it's really important to like take into account the people that you're around and like not just like your immediate needs. Like SpongeBob, for instance, in this, like he doesn't need to make a joke just because it's his favorite holiday. He should realize like he's at work or Squidward doesn't want to be a part of this. And he's made it clear he doesn't want to be pranked all the time. Right. Um, and the same thing with Squidward is like, don't be so selfish to get back at SpongeBob and make this big elaborate prank. Like it's not, I don't know. It's just really you. Also, have a hard time with Squidward because he called basically called truce. Yeah. SpongeBob was like, I'm gonna let you slide for the rest of the day, and everything's gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. But because you know Squidward just can't let things lie, mm-hmm. it's he broke it. He broke it. I think he he de- deserved a little bit of the of the. the- payback of the guilt yeah i guess so i could but i could see the same thing about spongebob he takes it way too far i mean he made his he made gary cry without even apologizing to him and just being like april fools like for gary that's not great you know that's his whole existence yeah is that food yeah oh poor gary so uh i want to take this moment to do a couple fun facts the only real fun fact that i think needs mentioning but i have another one because it's a little bit fun that even though schoolward said april fool's day is SpongeBob's favorite holiday? It's mentioned in another episode that his favorite holiday is actually Christmas. So, makes me think about the timeline a little, which will play into the second half of this because I got a I got a big theory cooking, Josh. And then the other thing I have 
which I just thought was interesting, is the woman who asked SpongeBob where the forks are is the same fish that asked that asks where the menu section is in Neptune's spatula, which is the second half of this episode. And it seems as though she's in constant need of guidance, but it's possible that it can be a coincidence. <laughs> so I wanted to bring that up. Do you think that this particular fish woman just needs help all the time? Or do you think it's just like, she just happened to need help in these two separate halves? Maybe that's just a gag. Maybe she shows up later and she needs help. You know, that's just her character. Like Fred, the fish has the leg thing only like, Larry's the buff guy like maybe that's just her gag it's a secret running gag yeah oh probably my favorite prank in this whole episode is when the guy asks for a couple of ice cubes yeah we get the another meme here the classic the classic yelling meme <laughs> where he's like you what <laughs> what did you do to my drink which um reminds me of when I was younger sometimes we'd be at Peter Piper and if you've never been to Peter Piper um most of the people listening probably have you never been to Peter Piper. Usually, when you buy like a family pack, they give you like the kids' cups. They're just slightly cheaper than the the grown-up cups. So my parents, being thrifty as they are, they decided to get kids' cups for everyone. But that also means having to go get refills every like two seconds. And whenever my dad would ask me to to get a refill, I would just like pour a little bit of a different soda into <laughs> it to see if he would notice. And then I kind of be like SpongeBob, we're like, and he's like, what? And I'd be like, nothing. And he'd be like, and he's like, what? And he's like, I put Dr. Pepper with your Coke. <laughs> Which, like, you can't really tell if it's only, like, a splash of Dr. Pepper or a splash of Coca-Cola. And then Omar got the belt. I got the belt. <laughs> no, my I learned very quickly what I could and couldn't get away with. And uh, my parents, they changed from more traditional Mexican parents to, like, not hitting me with yeah. the belt all the time. <laughs> Which probably explains why I'm a little bit more of a butthole than I should be. There you go. <laughs> so... Spank your kids. Just kidding. Don't. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't. Um, that fish guy, like, he grabs SpongeBob by the skin. He doesn't even grab SpongeBob by his pants or something. It's, like, literally his skin that he's grabbing. He was in it. He was in to kill SpongeBob. <laughs> I mean, if someone did something unquestionable to my my drink or yeah. my food, I think I'd be pretty upset. But to be fair, like, SpongeBob was a little iffy when he walked up to him. He's, like, eyeing the ground and, like, what, however he was cleaning it up was really kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Like, he could have spat in it yeah. or pooped in it. Mm -hmm. Or who knows? There are people he's a, he's out there who are like that. cook. Who knows what he could have done? <laughs> he's got problems. Um, I'm also impressed that Squidward knew that he could get SpongeBob to come outside with his clarinet. Yeah. He's just like, don't make me use this. self-awareness. He knows that he plays Like, too much self-awareness, which is more than other episodes we've seen. Yeah. Or maybe he's just had this before, and he's just like... he is letting go of that ego in order to get what he wants, which in this case was to apologize or not apologize during that segment, which is like something that was good on Squidward for this. He like took a moment after he pulled that big elaborate prank and like it took the entirety of the Krusty Krab to call him like a hmm. But he's like, oh, you know, maybe like this wasn't best. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have uh, basically the, abused my coworker. Yeah, like abuse. Yeah, basically almost killed him. <laughs> I mean, it's... Thankfully, SpongeBob is a god, so it's hard to kill him. And kill him, yeah. Um, I also like how when he apologizes, he he kind of brings up something which I think is really interesting that a lot of people, especially in high school, I saw. I don't see it as much now, but there is, you know, how there's hipster people and they like to like pretend they don't like things just because it's popular. Yeah, and I feel like it's less now, but I do see it a lot, like especially in like. Cam the camera world's like, oh, you're not using this camera, so. And I think it's a good lesson to, to realize that you're pretending to hate something, isn't, doesn't make you cooler. Yeah. I feel like a a lot of times it does happen that way. Like people. And will people be can doing see that. through that too. I think it's pretty easy when people are like, oh yeah, that kind of sucks and blah blah blah. And I'm pretty easy to see through that. But it's also crappy, like when they say that they hate something, and then someone brings it up in conversation, and like, oh, actually, I really like that. They're like. I kind of like it too. And they start getting into it. You're like, why? Why did you even lie? Like, what was the point of like making up this like bullshit that you hate it? It's you such a middle school it? thing. Yeah. I remember, I, I definitely remember middle school because I was like, you know, there were certain emo bands that were more manly than other emo <laughs> bands, even though they're all emo bands in the end. So I'd be like, well, yeah, I, I, Fall Boy's not as good as, you know, something else, something he heavier, <laughs> like Hawthorne Heights. <laughs> I don't know. So, um, I think it, for me, that's a good thing to point out to 
there's people out there that like things that you don't like. I I also like poking fun at people. Like I like poking fun at people who like One Direction, but it's mainly to poke fun at them. It's not really because I actually hate One Direction either way, mm-hmm. except for Taylor Swift. I definitely don't like Taylor Swift. <laughs> so Snake. except for her first album. <laughs> I feel bad. We just keep ragging on her. No, she'll she, find out one day. She got the money. Um, she, she can pay it off. I think one of the things is like clearly very annoying, and I didn't really pick up before, like, or they haven't really pointed it out very much. But they do make a point to show how annoying SpongeBob's laugh is. And I think it was like it did push Squidward over the edge, but you can tell from like the reactions from the customers in the customer cab when he's like doing it over the loudspeaker. They're like, "This is kind of shit. Why are you like this?" But do you think that it's bad to hate someone else for their other, for their enjoyment, for because of their enjoyment? I don't think so, but I think that you should have some sort of awareness. And I know it's really hard, especially like with laughs and voice. Like you don't really understand like how you sound or whatever, so it's harder for you to judge that. But like if you are clearly being obnoxious and people are looking at you, you're like going over the top with like this obnoxious laugh or snorting, or whatever, like maybe pull it back, like read the environment and like maybe it'd been fine if they're like in a bar or whatever, but he was at work and stuff like, you know. So here's a situation I always run into. So say you're on the subway Mm. and you see a group of friends and they're having loud conversation. They're obviously enjoying themselves, but like, you know, you're on your way home. It's like 6 p.m. And maybe they're getting ready to go out and have drinks or whatever. How do you feel about those situations? Because I think it's like a weird place to navigate because I've also been on the other side where like you're done having a great time you're having a good conversation with your friends and because of the environment you're in, you have to be a little bit more energetic for other people to hear. Yeah. So it's like, it's like weird fine line where it's like, well, I'm having a good time. Maybe the other people aren't having a good time. Well, it's just again, like read the room, like look around you. If you clearly are annoying people, cause there are some, you can have a loud conversation and have like have fun and not be annoying. But if you're like jumping around and like being over energetic and people are like clearly just sitting there and be like, Oh my God. These freaking teenagers, like, need to freaking stop or whatever, you know? It's just, I think you just need to be aware that your actions, again, I think we talked about it last week, like, your actions impact others, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a very good point in this one, too, is just like they do, you know, what you do and how you, that energy, if you're high, strong energy because you're about to have fun, it's going to put people off, like, especially if they're tired. Like, they don't want to deal with that shit. Yeah. I, I get that. But I also, I'm trying not to become the old person that was like, look at these kids. Yeah. But it's like I you also see those old people on the subway who also smile when they see someone having fun. So I get it again, I think it's an energy thing. If you're doing this over exuberant bullshit energy that's like way too much for someone. But if it's like genuine stuff, like people will smile along with how you're feeling. And it's like that's something I have noticed. It's like being in a public place and if someone's really, really happy, it is infectious. But it's having the right tone, I think. I also think it's interesting because I've definitely been on the subway. I'm talking about like eight in the morning, rush hour. And this person was playing music from their backpack, Mm -hmm. pretty loud, hip hop, but everyone seemed annoyed. But then one person, all it took was one person to be like, hell yeah, man, I love that song. And it was like, suddenly they had this bonding moment and they're like, everyone wants to be quiet as hell on this train. And like, we're all having fun, blah, 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 blah. And then I saw a couple other people like kind of lighten up. They're like, oh yeah, like. Yeah. getting upset over something small. Yeah. I think I, it's a it's a two way street. It's the person who is doing it. Like maybe don't blast your music at eight a.m. Maybe more at like noon when people are like having a good time or at like kind of late when it's like a, a party weekend. Yeah. Um, but also the people riding can can loosen up a little. Yeah, that's fair. Don't take don't take life <laughs> so seriously. Um, or else you'll be a, cum, a curmudgeon for the rest of your curmudgeon. life. I think that Patrick is the secret star of this episode. He's only in it for like a whole like maybe minute, mm-hmm. but we catch him digging behind those rocks. And when Squidward thinks he's talking to SpongeBob, it's actually Patrick. And he's digging like, what is he actually doing? Like, what's the point of what he's having he, fun? Josh. He's just digging. <laughs> he asked him. He's like, what are you doing? I'm digging. <laughs> he didn't say where. He didn't ask him where. But no, I do think he's like a, a silent sleeper in the episode. Yeah. He's just like, he's just having a good time. And the fact that he. He confuses impressed and depressed. And depressed. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, he's impressed. He's, he's like, like, with what? With what? He's like, I don't know. Whatever it was, it made him cry. <laughs> Must have been pretty good because it made him cry. Which is not always true. No. <laughs> not not always. But um, I'm glad that Squidward like, picked up real quick. He's like, oh, this idiot means depressed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, luckily, Squidward is a, is a little brighter than uh, a Patrick. Just a touch. Yeah. One thing I do want to bring up, 
is SpongeBob's tongue detaches. It detaches, and it somehow has sentience. But it doesn't really other parts of his body have sentience. It doesn't, sentience, really, it doesn't really change its face too much, though. From what I told, it was like it had that same smiling face, and maybe it was just like one of those like prank tongues, prank tongues that he had pulled out and like tried to make a gag out of it. Because I feel like he was laughing too much at the fact he lost a body part. I think it's the other way around. I think when Sandy was going to put the hot sauce on his tongue, we mm-hmm. saw a couple episodes back that he was—he actually has the prank tongue to protect his sentient tongue. Oh. Maybe that's the secret to his power, Josh. Is the sentient tongue? Maybe he has a that sentient tongue, tongue. That tongue didn't seem very powerful, though. <laughs> exactly. It's like the... It's, it's the Achilles' heel. Yeah, it's the squishy center in his godly power. Maybe. Because we never see him without his tongue. I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was a moment of vulnerability we were witnessing. I think we dwell a little too far and discover psyche in this episode. When he's starting to get, he's like walking away. He's like, I feel better. I made all these apologies. He's like, gets flashes of like Patrick saying stuff. He gets pas- or flashes of other people saying stuff. And the last thing we see is his mother saying, boo, you suck. I think that's more <laughs> than just him like repressing or like talking about some of the repressive crap. I think he actually has problems with ego because of stuff that maybe his mother forced upon him. I could see that. Um, I know for a fact we do see his mother in a later episode, but I, it is interesting that to poke into maybe his background a little. Maybe that's why he has the self-esteem yeah. that he has. Because our parents do shape us quite yeah. a bit. And it wasn't even like a it wasn't even like he was that startled by it. He was just like, oh mother, and just like ran off. He's like clicked. He's like, oh great. <laughs> do you think though, in the Krusty Krab, do you think he was projecting from the thing that the person said to the Krusty Krab? Or do you triggered. think his mother was there? No, I think it triggered something. <laughs> it triggered a, a a repressed memory he had. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Squidward, I had the privilege of watching this week's episode with Josh. I wasn't watching it alone like I always do. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> um, and I was telling Josh that I noticed that when Squidward, you know, turns into like the donkey when he's like trying to apologize and then his head blows up. Right before he turns into the donkey, it basically looks like he has boobs on his face. Yeah. I was like, he got a face. And I, I mentioned it to Josh while we were watching. And he had a very uh, prolific thought prolific. about it. Yeah. Prolific. Yeah, it's just that I think that we see over and over again that Squidward can be a, a jerk, right? And so I think those terms that, like, you're being a boob or you're being a jackass, which is, like, why he's doing a donkey or, like, a hothead, and that's why his head explodes. Like, all these things were just signs of him, again, being a jerk, just outwardly now. I definitely wanted to share that with the listeners because it was one of those things that I was like, I didn't really think about it that way. Because the donkey one is a very obvious one, but the, the hothead one and the boob face one, I'm definitely trying to work that into a meme. <laughs> Not like I said, there will be a time where I'm just going to post screenshots because some of the stuff I see is weird. It's kind of wild. Yeah. Maybe I'll do it in the Instagram story or something. I do like at the end, though, that Squidward does admit he likes everyone. You know, I think that's like a good tell to his character. It's like, Squidward, I think, deep down does have a heart. And he does, you see him through episodes, like, even though he's a jerk, he does do things that tries to help others or try to make things better for people. And I think that he just has a really hard time, like, with personal space. I think that's his biggest issue is, like, Mm -hmm. I think he wants that alone time, um, but he really does appreciate his friends. He just doesn't know how to establish those boundaries correctly and how to maintain that. And I find it odd how his... Spongebob's humiliation where he gets pranked and then Squidward when he gets pranked they both share that like element of public humiliation Mm -hmm. which I think is a weird mix on what happens with like pranks because I I find that like sometimes it's not really the prank that makes you embarrassed or even the action or whatever that you got caught doing it's just the reaction of the people it's the reaction of the people yeah and I think that's what the big difference is about like YouTube and like current days and like back in the day, like because back in the day, it's like, OK, I signed a release to be out on here. But usually on YouTube, if you're in public, people prank you all the time. Yeah. And there's no mercy. There is no mercy. So I think it's it's good to remember um, in general, not just for pranks, but like how you interact with others and in, in an environment that other people can see that person. In. Yeah. Especially like in a work situation. I can't tell you how many times I see people get chewed out in front of all their coworkers, And it's like. This weird, disgusting, voyeuristic, like, oh, let's all watch this pe- person, like, 
yeah, and, it's, and sometimes it's just like really sh management, and that's why I've noticed I've worked at a couple places where they do that. They just like pull someone aside in front of a group of people and like berate them, and it's like there's no reason for this. Like what they did does not deserve this punishment, but you're just trying to prove a point that you're like, it's like a measuring contest. Or like, yeah, I got like I have this power and I can do this to any one of you, but that really doesn't show that to me. I feel like especially nowadays, like people are a little bit more aware when people are being jerks and assholes like that. And so, like, when they do stuff like that, it's more like, I have no respect for this person. I've definitely lost respect for, like, um, people I've worked for, like, directors and stuff that have done that to people. I'm like, why? Like, this is completely unnecessary. This person didn't deserve to be treated like this. And you're making a point because you are so fragile in your ego that you need to be boosting yourself up this way. And then I've always been told that, like, when people are yelling or they're raising their voice or anything like that, it's because someone and usually it's both parties have failed at communicating something mm -hmm. so when you start yelling and you start getting angry it's letting your like your primal brain take control because you're like i don't know how to communicate so i'm gonna start raising my voice and i think it's important because i find it in a lot of interactions with like at, at work with your friends with uh with your in your relationships it's like i feel like it happens all the time um, without people knowing that the tone of their voice or even just um, the volume or like, because like tone, I feel like attitude is a lot easier to like catch yourself. Yeah. But volume, I feel like when you're in a heated discussion like that, it just like goes out the window because you're trying to, again, you're trying to assert, it's that primal thing. You're not consciously trying to do it, but you're trying to assert that dominance. Yeah. I feel. And I feel like it's less, I've ran into that less like, that is pretty obvious. It's more of like that passive aggressive where like they're trying to show off, you know, and that's where it's, I feel like people lose a lot more respect. It's a lot easier to write off like someone being grumpy by the situation or whatever, but if it's like they're being passive aggressive and like doing something like have this tone like they're better and trying to like berate someone in front of everyone. It's like, why? Like it, do it doesn't make sense to me. Like pull them aside, be a better manager. Maybe the problem is that you're a poor like manager or whatever. And yeah, that's leadership. why. Yeah. So. We need better leaders out there. There you go. All you people. Lead the nation. All you people. Uh, everyone. <laughs> what do you mean by you people? <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was really kind of interesting to take a look at this episode, like take a step back from um, just like the joke and the gags of like the April Fool's and kind of look at like Squidward's journey through this. And like I think a big problem that we have in our current culture is we are overly PC about a lot of stuff. And so when someone makes a little bit of a mistake that might be like a joke or whatever, everyone automatically berates that person and they are automatically like this mom mentality that they are the worst human being in the world. And like there's a lot of people out there, like the Me Too movement is exposing a lot of people who deserve to be berated, but there's like little things that people do that all of a sudden it's like, now you're a piece of shit. You don't deserve to be working on this. You shouldn't be getting, I'm not gonna listen to your music. I'm not gonna do this. And it's like, everyone is human and everyone makes mistakes and it's like it's kind of crazy to see like from and i think it's just an attitude that we've developed because of the stress of like political climate and stuff but like from to from basically 2016 on like one little mistake can ruin someone's career now and it's all over facebook the next day and whatever i feel like you should i i, I got a, a mixed bag with that because for me i feel like some people have gotten away with things for too long and so when one small thing sets off a chain of events to get them in trouble, mm. I don't mind that too much. But I do think that people need time to stumble and grow. But the thing is they actually have, for me, to feel remorse about it or to feel like any type of empathy in that situation, they have to stumble. And yeah. they have to stumble big. I just think that people are way too quick to judge mm -hmm. is the problem, especially nowadays. Like you can be an average everyday person and automatically you can judge a celebrity. You have no idea what they've gone through. You have yeah. like no idea they're like life searching dances. And it's like you just see people like on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and they don't know shit about this person. And all of a sudden they're like, this is the biggest piece of crap person in the world. I'm like, you don't know them. You don't know their life. Like it's kind of like you are in yourself making yourself more of an ass than that person did because of how you're treated. Like you're sitting behind like your phone screen, like saying that, you know, say it to their face. Yeah. And so I think that's just like what we see with Squidward here is like, he made a mistake and he like went out like he realized his mistake and then went out of his way to like make it better and like grow from it. And I think just need to give that people that chance. And it didn't take like a crowd. It did like crowd of people like told him like you're a piece of shit, whatever, but 
it wasn't a constant beratement. He had to come to that himself. That's what made him realize, like, oh, wait, I had to take a step back and look at what the problem was. Bubble break for this week. An exciting, exciting bubble break because we have a new development, Josh. A new development. What is it? I looked at our, before we record, I usually try to look at our emails and our, like, podcasting pages and stuff like that. And we have a new review. Ooh. And is it a good it one? Is, uh, it's horrible. We had a zero-star review, which is what impossible. We deserve. Um, yeah. <laughs> it says, Josh Hemo is the worst part of the podcast. Omar also sucks, but not as bad as Josh. And that's why I quit after this. Yeah. So that's the big announcement. Josh retires. <laughs> no, we actually have a, a very nice one, which thank you. Shout out. Um, this... <laughs> I like the dollar sign in the name. It says just the tip, but the S is a dollar sign Kesha style. So nice. I like it. Um, it's from with two E's, which I've been trying to think of who it was. I have my suspicions, but um, hopefully they listen to the podcast again and they can let me know who they are. If not, keep it a mystery. I don't mind that. A little mystery in our lives is good. Mm-hmm. It's always good. Life is a big uncertain mess. So this is nice. So I'm going to go ahead and read the review, and we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about it. <clears throat> I want to give them a cool voice, but I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to read it in my normal voice. <laughs> I've heard reading a podcast is equivalent to leaving a tip. I found myself listening to these smart and funny dudes. Oh, my God. Wow. Today in my car, wishing I could do something to spread the word, because there's a shockingly large amount of value in these podcasts. I like that. I like shocking people. I think that's good. Um we're talking life lessons. We're talking social commentary. We're talking artistic and critical analysis. We're talking millennial struggle. No, millennial struggle. That was myself. Sorry. <laughs> millennial nostalgia. We're talking genuine chemistry between hosts with comical banter that accidentally makes you laugh out loud. I guess it's good. Accidentally. It's two <laughs> kids. It's two kids talking about a cartoon, but it's not just two kids talking about a cartoon. Consider yourselves. Hashtag, hashtag. So it's hashtag, then the word hashtag, and then hashtag tipped, comma, Josh and Omar. So That's thank good. you very much um, with two E's. It's with with a slash because I know some people, they care about how, the, how it's done, how it's written. Yeah. Um, that was very good. I think it's like a good overview of like how they feel and they even like say like I like was listening to my car and that's always good to know. It's like what environment are you in when you're listening to this, you know? And I think it's important, like, when we talk about stuff, somebody does get a little serious. So depending on your environment, it can be harder to process that, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I think it's good that they're giving it a chance to, like, listen and get all the value out of everything we're saying. So we're not just, again, like, yelling out into a void. Yeah, some people, like, I always miss driving in my car and, like, listening to music. And I think now if I had a car, because in New York, (laughs) you kind of lose that. Like, you're concentration time where you can kind of listen or zone out or again for me in the car that's where i did most of my listening to Mm -hmm. like everything so now with the subway it's like you're in this room full of people so sometimes you can't laugh out loud or if you do you look a little crazy but in your car (laughs) it's uh it's a little bit more secluded and i feel like you can process things a little bit better um i mean everyone has their own way of listening to podcasts but i like that i like that I like that we can join you on your your morning card ride, afternoon card ride, whatever wherever. this car ride. Yeah, the time. Maybe it's like a Back to the Future car where you travel through time. Oh, maybe maybe they're going back in time. So uh, <laughs> if you go back in time or forward in time, please share the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> roll your windows down so everyone else can hear, and hopefully they'll laugh along too. But if like you are listening, it'd be nice. Like this is always again. It's always nice to hear like your reviews or comments just so we know. And like this is a good way for us to know. It's like what we're doing. Like these life lessons. And the social commentary, it's like these are things people are picking up on and it means that they are worth talking about, I guess. And it's not that we need to like change up exactly what we're doing. So I think it's good that, you know, you let us know in the in these kind of comments yeah, what's going nice. on. Yeah. It's a it it also keeps us going. If you do like the content, it keeps us like, wow, this is a it like puts more gas in the engine. Yeah. To keep with the car metaphor. And you get a shout out, so yeah, you do get a shout out. And you can even put in the comment, please don't read this online on air and we'll just read it and we'll process it in our hearts. Yeah. In our minds. That's fine. <laughs> We're fine. You can do that. So again, thank you so much for, for leaving the comment and other people feel free to share with your friends and also leave comments. Yeah, thank you. Act two. Neptune spatula. 
insert dramatic music here. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> That's all you got, Josh. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so we join SpongeBob and Patrick on an outing to the Fry Cook Museum, which I'm surprised that that exists. We can get into that later. Um, but one of the they go through to the exhibits, checking out different stuff. They have like a fork they look at, different chefs. There's like even some art about how a fork and a spoon equals spork. It's pretty cool. Um, and then they get to this big display for the greasy griddle with the golden spatula st- stuck in it. And basically, this golden spatula is a whole like King Arthur deal. If you can pull the golden spatula from the grease then like you're worthy of Neptune and all this stuff. So we see Larry trying to do it. He can't do it. So SpongeBob just out of fun is like, hey, take a picture of me trying to grab it. And Patrick like gets ready to take a picture. This old lady that we talked about from the last um, part comes in and she's like, hey, which way to the menu section? <laughs> and um, SpongeBob being the nice guy he is points, but uses the golden spatula to point in that direction. And all of a sudden, the room changes, and out of a cloud or out of the, like whatever magic portal that Neptune summons, he comes out and try and starts congratulating the room. He's like, "All right, someone finally pulled the spatula. It's great. Like I'll have a fry or I'll have a cook. Blah blah blah." And he starts looking around trying to figure out who it is. And when he's told that it's SpongeBob, he can't believe it. He's like, "No way! This it could be this." And he starts asking different people. He asks the guy who's selling hot dogs, and the guy's like, "Nah, I just sell these. I don't actually make it." He starts uh, broing out with Larry, striking muscle poses, and thinks it's Larry. And Larry's like, "Nah, it's SpongeBob." And he's like, "All right, I don't, I don't want to believe this. So you're gonna have to prove yourself to me that it's you." I mean, and after some time, like Patrick being like, "Hey, like it's SpongeBob. You have to let him do," and being attacked or being zapped over and over again by Nap- Neptune. And Neptune's like, "Fine. All right, we're gonna do this challenge." We're going to go back to Atlantis. We're going to have a, a cook-off. We're, we're in the Poseidon with Mr. Krabs emceeing this event, saying, all right, get ready, everyone. Uh, it's King Neptune versus SpongeBob. And they shake hands. Neptune zaps SpongeBob's hand, which I think is cheating, low-key. But we'll bit. see. Yeah. So then they start making patties. Um, of course, Neptune, being the all-powerful guy that he is, uses his magic to create these patties in no time, like using swordfish to cut up the stuff, using magic to levitate and put it all together. Well, SpongeBob puts all this delicate effort to put meticulously put together one patty, which he even goes to the effort to even tuck in some pickles and read them a bedtime story. So, of course, um, Poseidon wins the challenge and makes over a 1,000 patties really quickly. And because he won, he's like, brags, and is like, here, everyone take a free patty. And they turn out to be disgusting. And so he's like, there's no way that this or that your patty can be that much better and taste it. And he loves it so much. It's so good that he has to spit it up again and eat it again. So he declares SpongeBob worthy. He's like, all right, you can come live with me in Atlantis. SpongeBob starts celebrating with Patrick. Neptune's like, nah, you alone. You can't bring your friends and you're not going to bring that thing referencing Patrick. And SpongeBob starts crying. He's like, no, I can't do this. I don't want to leave my friends. Like, this is like, I don't want to, like, this is not what I want. And Neptune's like, nonsense. You'll become a god. Zaps him. And SpongeBob suddenly gets super buff, starts wearing a toga and has godlike power. It's actually a god now. And he's like, mm. Neptune looks at it. He's like, I don't know if this is going to work. And SpongeBob's like, I have an idea. We flash forward to the Krusty Krab, where now Neptune's in the kitchen learning to cook, thanks to SpongeBob. And that was it. I think it's cool because this is the first time we see Neptune, so we get an idea more of like the story and the lore of the of the um, world we're li- looking at. Thanks um, for stealing one of my fun facts. Okay, well, why don't you just jump right in with the fun fact? <laughs> <laughs> What's the fun fact, Omar? Uh, well, if, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> this is the first appearance of Neptune. Um, I don't know how you would ever learn that outside of this current moment. Surprise. Also, uh, in in line with that, it's a completely different King Neptune that appears in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, mm-hmm. and even different from another live action segment of Party Pooper Pants and other like episodes, and even from the video game. And Squidward does mention in a different one that like it's King uh, Neptune the Fourteenth, which would also explain that there's multiple incarnations of ne- of Neptune, so okay. kind of adding to our theory of different versions of the same SpongeBob, maybe different versions of the same Neptune, different and- gods, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he did come through a portal. Like I don't know if that was just coming through Atlantis or it was like a time portal. Maybe it was a, a Neptune from a different time period. Who knows? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, maybe it was the time period whenever that spatula got stuck in there to begin oh, with. I want to bring it up because I missed I missed the reference when I was younger, and I almost missed the reference watching it again. But he says they when they're talking about the legend of the spatula, they said they're gonna pull it from the ancient Greece, like ancient <laughs> Greece, the <laughs> place. And I'm just a sucker for puns like that, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, fun. <laughs> I hope it's a fun. Um, sounds like fun. A lot of this episode to me felt like a, which is interesting because it's not the very last episode of the season, but a lot of this part felt like a throwback to Help Wanted for me, um, mostly because it's like SpongeBob again having to tr- prove himself that he's worthy of like being a great fry cook. And he even does like the I'm ready thing right before going into the work, you know, and he's being doubted by not only Neptune, but also Mr. Krabs, who bets against him in this case. And you'd think that Mr. Krabs would learn that by now. And, and then, like, a bigger thing with Mr. Krabs doing that is, like, wouldn't he lose more money in the end if SpongeBob could not be a fry cook anymore, which was, like, one of the rules. Like, if you lost, he wouldn't be a fry cook anymore. So I feel like Mr. Krabs is really just betting against himself in, that lo- in the yeah. long run. But here's something that that opens up. So SpongeBob physically becomes a god because Neptune makes him one. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing that's going to shake things up. So I told Josh I had a big theory, and I haven't flushed it out completely yet, but give me a couple more episodes, some time to think, and I'll I'll try to find more proof of it. Um, But it does tie in with our SpongeBob is a god theory. So I think that in that moment when SpongeBob becomes a god, and this would, I told you already that SpongeBob Wiki has a timeline. Yeah. I think this would throw up the timeline completely. Because I think that in the moment that SpongeBob is a god, he reshapes the universe in that one little, like, I have an idea, Neptune, and basically resets part of the timeline. Because remember, when he won the competition, he was given a spot in Atlantis and becoming a god. Mm-hmm. So that would explain how in every other episode he has godlike powers, but everything's the same. Because what would SpongeBob want with the power of a god? To do all the same things that he always does, but with the power of a god. Yeah. So for me, I think that might change the timeline completely because you might have parts where SpongeBob has these powers, SpongeBob doesn't have these powers. So this could be like... um. To, for lack of a better term, the Flashpoint, like if you see in like the Flash cartoons and the Flash like comic books, where it splits and things get crazy. So I can see that. How do you I, feel about that? Theory? I don't. I don't know if I fully like read into it that much. Like I can see it, but I don't know. Like I feel like in that moment, maybe SpongeBob gave up those powers and was like, "I'm just gonna teach you to cook. That's what I'm gonna do. Flash forward to take you to the Krusty Krab, and I will teach you how to cook." I remember he wants him to think that he gave up. Maybe, maybe. I but know it's I think stretch, but he was but also, but you. Neptune was also like unimpressed. Like SpongeBob did change in that moment. He looked different, but he was unimpressed. So I feel like he was expecting more to happen when he became or he turned SpongeBob into a god. So it makes me believe that he already had those godlike powers prior to that, and he was already like, well, nothing really changed because you already are. You already have this, right? You already mm-hmm. have these, and maybe whatever the ability of the zapping was just one of his like. He just made him buff. Made him buff, and like this whole changing, zapping, whatever was just a gift that he received when Poseidon posted or like bestowed some power onto him. Well, I'm planting the seed now. I'm gonna be looking for different little examples. I'll try not to get too conspiracy theorist with it, but I do feel like it's a pivotal moment that just kind of skirts on by. Yeah, because he did have godlike powers for a whole second, and a lot can happen in a flash frame. That's true. Boom! Big bang. Completely different. Infinity War. <laughs> Multiple universes, <laughs> timelines, you know, franchise potential. So if you're from Nickelodeon, call me. Um, I got some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> um, the qualities to be a good fry cook that Poseidon, I think, actually kind of pulls out of his butt a little bit are kind of funny. He's like, you got to be left handed. And then SpongeBob holds up. He's like, I got two, has two left hands. You have red underwear, no blue, and he's wearing both. both Even yeah. though we've seen him with white underwear, which I think is kind of funny. Like, how many layers of underwear does he actually have? Not enough, because he still ends up naked so all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he starts bringing up stuff about like in your wallet, or you gotta have toes, or you gotta have six, and then that's when Sp- or Patrick steps in, which brings another thing. Like, 
again, Patrick is a great friend. He He's was a great like, hype man too. Did not, yeah, he didn't like wasn't intimidated by a freaking god and was like, no, nah, SpongeBob like deserves this. Like he is a great fry cook. Even got zapped like four times to the point where he was basically dust. He got Thanos. <laughs> Spoilers, just kidding. If you haven't seen that movie yet, that's your own fault. Yeah, kind of, kind of is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, where he's just like, my favorite is like five hundred challenges. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> Patrick has been uh, a understandably horrible negotiator for any situation where he has to negotiate, mm-hmm. and I just love that it's that he's just always adding more. He's like, no, 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 two challenges, three <laughs> challenges, five hundred challenges. Um. But Patrick, I think also Silent Sleeper in this half of the episode too, because the challenges for one, two, he's a great hype man, and he brings up the most important question I think in all of SpongeBob history is, what would you do if your face is on your butt? <laughs> <laughs> he just takes it like a champ. He he's does. like, I become this butt face, and he's just like, I he's guess you're fine. taller, SpongeBob. Which I don't know, but that would rock my world completely. Well, I wonder why no one said anything to Patrick, like. Is something wrong? Like I like SpongeBob looked at him. He's like, "You doing okay, buddy?" And he was like, "Yeah, I'm fine." Why didn't you tell him? Like your face is on your butt. Maybe he didn't want to worry him. Mm, maybe or maybe in that moment, Neptune changed like what everyone perceives Patrick to be, <laughs> like what he perceives Patrick to be. Yeah, Patrick thinks that he's, he's actually this repulsive creature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aw, no, I wouldn't want that for Patrick. No, that's a good question to ponder when you're when you're sitting alone. Just think, what would I do if my face was on my butt? <laughs> Get hit by a train so I end my misery. Oh, God. Guys, that's dark. It's dark. No, thank you. Let's change the subject. Um, I do think that before he zaps Patrick, he is like, I don't know if this is like a compliment or an underhanded like sexual joke. He's like, you have prestigious girth. I was like, wow. Okay. I've only ever heard the word girth used in sexual content. Because you're a pervert, Josh. Yeah, 100%. But I was like, it was just funny that he referred to Patrick in that way. And even said like when he had to refund or like make him come back, he's like, "Oh yes, the round one." The round. One. <laughs> like Ooh. Patrick is a thick boy, he's but don't they body shame him? <laughs> well, apparently you're uh, body complimenting him. Yeah, there you go. That's, what's the opposite of body shame? <laughs> body compliment. Body compliment. Start it. Hashtag body compliment. <laughs> but it's also kind of cool though. Like not only was I think Patrick like a good hype man in that situation. Everyone in that museum, which there are a lot of people in the freaking Fry Cook Museum, which is odd to me. There was grand opening or something. Maybe, maybe that's <laughs> what it was. Um, they did have the hot dog stand, which or is maybe odd. it was like uh, it was like the MoMA where it's like free on oh, Fridays. Oh, free certain times. So it's get like some hot dogs too. Yeah, yeah, that could be it. That no one in the room also questioned that it was SpongeBob. Everyone's just like, yeah, it was. Of course, it's SpongeBob. Like we know that he's a great Fry Cook, and I think that's actually kind of cool. It's like as a community, they recognize what talent he has and didn't question it you know they're all honest too honest yeah and to be fair it's like a lot of um i think it kind of shows neptune's prejudice he's like nah i don't want this like lowly sponge in my like in atlantis you know and that brings me to the biggest relatable thing for me in this thing i think this episode serves two really great things so one showing people the difference between like mass like fast food and like something that you've carefully created for yourself so i think that's a very straightforward thing like if you're getting if a restaurant is pumping out you know hundreds and hundreds of burgers and snacks and everything like that the quality will not always be there and some places can like crank out some places but um i've been looking more and more into like cooking and cookbooks and stuff like that and there was a place i saw the other day it's 225 dollars for one person to eat an entire menu but the I was reading the person who wrote the book and he was just like, the reason it's that expensive is because one, it's an intimate thing. And two, every single thing that on on that dish we have refined within like millimeters of what we've like created. So sometimes it's good to spoil yourself, get yourself a really fancy dinner if you can afford it. But it, just like the fact that putting that, uh, that time into that one thing. So that was like the one thing that the, culinary side of it but the other thing that i saw is how quickly and again like you said we're relating to help wanted uh an older person doubting a younger person yeah or putting someone into that mold where it's like you're not no, good you enough can't do that yeah yeah you don't fit the stereotype of what you should be what i consider it should be exactly yeah and that's what's like it's kind of interesting that mr Krabs and neptune both share that like initial reaction to spongebob 
And I don't think that Mr. Krabs ever really got over that. I think that's why he bets against SpongeBob, you know, and it kind of shows more of Mr. Krabs' character. Although, to be honest, if Jesus came down from the heavens yeah. and you saw Jesus come from the heavens and he was like, I bet you, I bet you Omar is, <laughs> Jesus is better at doing this than Omar, I would want you to bet on Jesus. And I like, I can, I can definitely see that when Patrick's crying because SpongeBob has to leave, like, Mr. Krabs comes up crying too. And it wasn't over SpongeBob leaving. It was like he had no care about SpongeBob winning, no anything. It was just like he lost money. Like he just took it as a ploy. Like he didn't even care that SpongeBob was the best. Like take pride in that. You hired the best freaking fry cook in the sea, in the sea. Mm-hmm. You know? I think that it's it's it says more about Mr. Krabs in those moments than I think in any of the moments that Plankton's evil. Yeah. Cause like I think Mr. Plank- Krabs is evil in such a different way way yeah and i don't think that and it's and that's what it's like when we go throughout the series like plankton is supposed to be an antagonist but i think what he does is more of like the cartoon like villain kind of thing no no i, I think he he's the su- fake evil he's yeah. the evil that everyone's warned about when you're a child is like oh this person's gonna hurt people and stuff like that but i feel like but crabs is the real evil like what you actually deal with and you deal with people in the real world where they will like stab you behind your back any chance they get they don't like rely they don't think that you're good enough or they don't like but they're not actually in your corner no and they just like fake you know and that's like it's good to like surround yourself with people that aren't fake like that you know and put an effort put an effort yeah yeah and i think that's like more than just people too and that's what the lesson i got for this episode and i think it just shows like there's a thing to be said over quantity over quality you know um and we see that with their patties like he can make a thousand patties in what a minute and SpongeBob made one, but his patties were so awful, so terrible. Like it didn't matter. But that- yeah, for, imagine a whole crowd full of people. Well, one, that's a small lesson you guys should take. Don't spit out food, even if it's really bad. That's just rude to people. Unless it's poisonous. Uh, yeah, unless it's poison. Unless you 100% think it's poison, or even if you 50% think it's poison, probably don't take your out. chances. Yeah. Because I don't know what kind of life you're living, but you're probably James Bond or something. Um, but. I definitely think that if a crowd of that many people don't like your food, it's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, even he just had to smell his patty to admit how awful it was, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that goes for like the quantity over quality is every aspect of life. Like, same thing with friends. Like you can have a lot of friends, but like if none of them really mean anything to you or they're not like real people, like then what's the point? Like you're just gonna end up just as lonely as you were before. And in the same thing with like your work, and I feel like way is like with art and stuff, like. When I produce work, I'm not doing it to like have a number of shows on my resume, right? You do it mm-hmm. so that way I can look back at pictures and stock stock of done and be like, wow, you know, I'm really pot, like happy about this. And people react to that, I think, a lot more. You don't mm-hmm. need to have a huge gallery or a huge repertoire of stuff. If you have a good, solid selection of what shows what you're capable of, I think that means a lot more, you know? And you talking about being proud of your work and that kind of eventually leading to success brings me to like, Another small lesson that when SpongeBob gets the the chance to basically cook for a god, and I'm sure there's a certain level of fine dining cookery situation going on in Atlantis, so he's probably going to get like a bomb kitchen, but he doesn't let the success isolate him from his friends. Oh, and he chose his friends over the success. I mean, yeah, I mean, he always wanted to be a fry cook, but I don't think he wanted to be a fry cook in Atlantis. He wanted to be a fry cook at the Krusty Krab in the hometown or his town that he has all his friends in and he can cook for people that he cares about, you know, and that speaks a lot to SpongeBob's character. And I think that's really important when you look at your work, no matter what it is, no matter if you're a lawyer, no matter if you're an artist, whatever you are, it's really important to take a look about if you're doing something that makes you happy and you're doing something that produces quality and an actual positivity out of you instead of just doing it for the sake of money, you know, and that's, SpongeBob probably had riches and wealth and power and lived in this fancy place, but he chose to be happy. And I think that's really important. I think we, especially as young adults, mm-hmm. really lose sight of what it means to be happy. I can't tell like, you how many people I know in college who decided to go to a, a career path because it would make them money. Yeah. And then I, and I have friends like that too. And then very quickly, like they are like, wow, like with, I've had friends who like within two months of, of pursuing that career path, like I've been like, this was not a great choice, and they started doing stuff they loved, and now they're happy. I mean, those, and those are the lucky people. I feel like if you find out within the first couple of months, and you can possibly change something, if you can get out of it. I yeah. know people who are like, you know, four years in, about to do another two years because they're that deep in. It's like, okay, I either wasted my money, or especially with how expensive school is now, um, I either wasted my money doing that, or I start all over. And what I find with a lot of people that I've 
read about or you like all the successful people you read about it's it's that moment in their head where they go they realized and for some people it takes longer some people it takes quicker that they're like i don't like doing this i'm gonna do something that i like even though i'm broke yeah and sometimes you do get the benefit um people always like to say you know it's it's easier to cry in a Porsche than in a cardboard box. And even if you do use the crappy job you hate to springboard yourself to other people, it's like it will, it will drain you eventually. Yeah, I think we're just so programmed to think that we need to be so successful, right? We get out of college and like being like 24, 25, however, like in your mid-20s and be like, you have to be successful and like, and if you're not, then, you know, what are your, what's your life going to amount to be? But then you look at people who are older, like grandparents or people who are even like their 50s, like older, like if you have older parents, like, they're like, I really wish I would have taken more chances in my life. I really wish I would have done more stuff that was fun. I wish I would have done stuff that meant more to me now because you, you don't want to look back like 20 years from now and be like, I regret that I didn't take those chances. I didn't do what something that would make me happy because then what do you, what do you, what is your legacy at that point? Right. Yeah. You've just left this like boring sad like nothing you're proud of but I, uh, you bring up a good point is like what is your legacy but the thing is like i feel like with society we try so hard to instill that in ourselves that we have to leave some type of legacy yeah. that we can't just enjoy the ride and then hope that people remember us it has to be like i have to climb the mountain put my flag on top and then everyone else is the scene and maybe that's just like a difference in legacy i think yeah. like for me a leg- like you could do a legacy like of being yeah success and like i had i accomplished this great thing but like a fortune 500 company right. or something like that but legacy know? can easily be like and i think what is actually more important because wealth and like all that material needs but like legacy and like how you leave an impact on the people around you if you're happy that happiness spreads to other people and like people will realize that and so like i mean the hope is like one day like people look back fondly and be like oh they did leave a legacy of like I, these was a really nice person. They like really helped me. They really changed how I thought because they were so happy. They were so su- successful in a way that doesn't mean they had money. They were successful in a way that they were doing something they really cared about, you know? And I find like, uh, especially with, you know, the recent deaths of the celebrities in the news, like um, Aretha Franklin being like the, the biggest one that's coming to my mind is the fact that like, I don't think people liked her just for, her just because she's rich yeah you know because there's millions of other singers but it's because their her music touched them yeah and that's what you see with a lot of artists though i mean a lot of artists who've really really like impacted the world in some way like it's their art meant something because they really cared about they weren't doing it to make money a lot of those artists that became famous were poor and Mm -hmm. died poor but they left something an impact on the world because it was so i don't know in tune with what they felt and cared about. It made a genuine connection to people that's lived way past them, that's outlived them. And I think that's like the true legacy. You've built something that lives past you that's not just a money or material thing. It's like an actual piece of history, you know, in some way. Um, To go from these lofty, lofty (laughs) ideals, um, I want to bring it back to, you you talked about the handshake. And here's a pet peeve of mine. And it, I see it all the time with men, and it's because I think how we're raised. Your handshake does not got to be a death grip, and also women. Mo- usually, is the the criticism that people get is like you need to also give like a firm handshake, and I feel like everyone can learn from just meet in the middle. Yeah, if you're having a super scary strong handshake, come on, who's are you trying to show that's bigger? Yeah. Or like, are you trying to show off that way? And you just got to realize like a handshake is just a main, like means of greeting. Like that's exactly. how you say hello. It's just like you're not going to yell some, hey, hello at someone. It's like that's the equivalent. Like squeezing someone's hand. It's like, the you, all caps of, yeah. <laughs> of saying hello. And for for me, I, I see it as like an older person thing. Yeah. And I do see benefits for people who are typically known to have weaker handshakes to ha- to try to get a stronger handshake by doing that. Mm-hmm. But I still think there's going to be a point, hopefully soon, where people are just like, I'm going to shake your hand like a normal human being. I don't need to crush it like a vice. Yeah. <laughs> like a vice grip. Eventually. <laughs> Speaking of really strong people, when Neptune thinks Larry is like, you know, has strong or looks, he has the body of Atlas. Yeah. Larry does something which I think a lot of people have a hard time with and I have a hard time with is he takes the compliment. Yeah. He just like, thank you. Thank I you. work out. The I work out part, a little excessive, but he's saying, 
he's saying thank you. And I know a lot of people who you say, hey, you're good at something, and they go, nah, nah that's right. thanks, fine. And I'm definitely guilty if someone says something nice about me. I'm like, nah, you're crazy. You're you're an idiot. Yeah, it's just like about self respect. It's like you let yourself take that compliment. Is like respecting yourself. And I think that maybe that's why Larry's like, I work out because he does respect himself. He's like, I take the time to like put my time into the, like making sure I look good and healthy. And I think that's important, you know, in that way. Um, the last like little thing that I noticed as a far as throwback wise is back in the Suds episode, Patrick brought this up. He's like, um. No one thought I would go anywhere. Everyone told me that I'm never going to go anywhere. And in this one, he's like, everyone's like, oh, you got your head in the clouds. You're never going to accomplish anything. And he's like, look at me now. And he's sitting there like uh, hyping up SpongeBob. But I think this is funny. This is like the second time that he's like, people have made an impact in his life by saying that you're never amount to anything. And it's, it's stuck with him, I think. And But the thing is, uh, Patrick is the king of having skills that are quickly passed by. Yeah. So one thing that I did notice is when he's like, oh, the light changed. And he took an amazing picture of SpongeBob. He's like, oh, the light changed. One moment, real cinematographer, photographer move where he's like, "One, let me get this right. And he got it right. And also in other episodes where he made freaking clogs out of a tree, yeah, he just shaved those things down. And then he crushed a rock with another rock and made it into a heart. He has a lot of like those silent skills that like, again, maybe, maybe a little bit driven by the things that people have told him in his past. Yeah. I think it's interesting. And I think that's like a little bit tying into the whole Squidward's mother thing in the first step. It's the first part where mm-hmm. obviously like his parents have driven her, his mom's like whatever has driven him to be this egotistical or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's part of it with Patrick too. I mean, we meet Patrick's parents and they're not too smart later on, but yeah. other people telling him in his life, like, Hey, like you're not going to amount to anything. He's made a good life for himself. So yeah. he's enjoying it. Yeah. He doesn't have to have to have anything fancy. He's there. You can be dumb and live under a rock and still be good. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like people are better off that way. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Big lesson this week. We talked a lot. There's a lot of good lessons I think in these episodes. I'm interested to hear what you have like as a big lesson overall because I think there's a lot we can get out of this. Um, so why don't you go ahead? Uh, Josh is a little punk and he low key mentioned my lesson, but it's all right because it's still a good lesson. I think that. When you mentioned quality over quantity, yeah, I think that is a great lesson for both episodes because, especially with the April Fool's one, I feel like the April Fool's joke that hit had like had the biggest and best outcome is the fact that Squidward here is confessing that he loves all these people, and what is SpongeBob? What is he always showing? He's always showing compassion for others, but he, even using this holiday where you literally make fun of people. He's getting something pure out of Squidward. And out of all the little jokes that he made, that was the one quality one that I feel. And same thing with the patties is like he put so much care into that one patty. And it shows you, I think you can apply it to every other aspect of your life, that you can have those moments where you can really think about something, hone it, and then make it worthwhile. Yeah. I think it's just putting love into something, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, like SpongeBob puts love into everything he does. So he's putting this little love into this prank Squidward. Like, that's what he received back was love. Mm-hmm. And he put love into this patty. And like you mentioned it all that, like you mentioned it with the cooking thing. Like, the more time and the more effort you put, you spend into cook- cooking. And like, I've done this before myself. Like, if you actually make the effort and make something that you love or care about, like, ends up tasting better. And people like recognize that, you know? Yeah, people recognize the effort. Yeah. And that little bit of effort putting into into anything, I think, shows. Mm-hmm. And especially nowadays where, like, we're always posting on social media. We're posting, like, a crap ton of content. We're posting uh, tons of other things and just putting out so much stuff into the world, mm-hmm. whether it's emotions or just tweets or whatever you want to, like, throw out there. But it's really... How much of that content, how much of those emotions, how much of that effort are you throwing out there and how much of it are you actually thinking about? Yeah. You're putting the time and effort into that one moment and going like, huh, yeah, I just posted a random picture of something, but did you think about it before you posted it? Right. And that effort, I think, sets things apart on multiple levels where you're working, your social life, your relationships, everything. And, and it's kind of cool to see that, though. And you see that a lot with the internet age now. The people who are really popular on Instagram or like on YouTube got popular not because like they pumped out a lot of content like they made content that people enjoyed a lot and that's how they got popular and that's like the big advice that a lot of youtubers give it is like 
don't make stuff that you think is going to be like cool or hip or trendy. It's like, I just started making stuff and I made stuff with my friends or whatever. And then I got popular because of that. Cause people react again, people see the quantity and it's like an un- underlining like emotion of like quality. Like people see that that love is there and then they react to that too. And they receive that back. I yeah. Think. They relate in the end. Yeah. Which is good. So what do you got? Um, so what I got is to learn to like value the people around you and like show that respect and like don't like betray that. And I think you see that in the first part. Um, what's good word is like he admits to everyone that he loves them and like he really cares about them. So I think showing that respect would give him a little bit more help. I think people will give him a little bit more leniency and people would probably would care a little bit more about his art. And like we see a lot that he tries to get recognized and maybe the reason he doesn't is because people don't want to deal with him being mean or like disrespectful to them on like right? on a personal level yeah it's like if he was just a nicer person and more respectful i think he would get more of that friendship that he so like really does care about and the same thing in the second part like people like um we talked about that everyone in the museum and especially patrick like were showing a lot of respect to the, the value of spongebob and Neptune didn't, and I think that came to bite Neptune in the butt. He lost a fry cook because he was so rude and like uppity and kind of like petty about it, and not showing that respect. And I think it's if you really do care about these people and like stuff, like it's you can get lost in that petty bullshit, but like just show the respect, and I think that it'll make a big difference, you know. Touchy feely this week. It's good. I feel like every week we get a little, a little touchy feely, but it's nice. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> every now and then, I'll I'll say mean things to Josh just to even it out. There, yeah. Even out the Knocking love. down. Yeah. Yeah. We all need to be knocked down a peg. That's your <laughs> bonus lesson for you. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, thank you again for listening to this episode. Um, remember to share our podcast with your friends and your enemies. You can find us on ismaniasapodcast.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher, Facebook and Instagram at ismaniasapodcast. And if you're a Twitter person, you can find us at at ismayoapodcast. Always send us an email if you can. We love hearing from all of you, all the bajillions of you, the mobs, the masses, the void, if you will, <laughs> at podcast at gmail.com. So, yeah. And like we said in the bubble break, like we are more than happy to do shout outs if you like talk about something, especially something that's relevant. We did it a couple weeks ago when someone came and like emailed us a question, like stuff we love. So like, don't be afraid to do that. If we bring up something that you feel opinionated about or like would like us to discuss like we'd be more than happy to do that like open up that conversation also if you feel like you have an expertise in a upcoming spongebob episode or there's something that's just really poking your brain send us an email we might be able to have you on the podcast if it's if we work it out it'd be pretty fun yeah so reach out definitely so to leave us off this week i just i really josh what are you doing i'm just digging you what (laughs) 